Good afternoon and you're welcome to the weekly show where we talk about what's in the papers and uh, we have a lot of people here to talk about them today. We're, we're minus uh, the boss man and uh, John S, but uh, we, have, we have a few capable subs here and so back off the bench, including myself, Pat McNamara. Good afternoon to you. Nice to be here. Yeah, uh, we, we have the Bills representative, uh, Pat O'Brien. Pat, good afternoon. Good afternoon, uh, Luke. And uh, the, the Tungrania Mafia is, uh, yeah. is, is strong here today. And well, I've been kicking, um, Luke. Uh, yeah, it's da- David, David Fleming. But we are delighted to be able to welcome a very special guest. And we have the managing director of the Clare champion, Mr. John Galvin. John, uh, I think this is your first time out this neck of the woods. It's certainly your first time on the show here. We're delighted to have you out here and thank you a million for coming out. Well, thanks for asking me and I'm delighted to be here, Luke. Yeah, great. And and uh, we, I suppose we, we should maintain that uh, the link is you, your local Mills uh, correspondent uh, in the paper may have had something to do <laughs> with, with getting you out here. But listen, it's, it's great to ha- have you out here. David, I'm going to hand over to you mm. because you're the history man and we'll say the champion is a very historical paper so it I'll is it is Luke it. and as the banner of the of the paper men- uh, says and as we mentioned a few weeks ago when when there was a gala celebration uh, the champion is marking 120 years of news and it's presumably a little bit strange John that the one family has been involved for so long What's your, yeah. what, what is the connection with the founding, with, with the personal connection between you and the founding member? Well, the, the, the very brief history, I could talk for hours on it, but uh, my father's uncle, my late father's uncle, uh, Tom Galvin, <coughs> founded the paper in 1903. He was the editor of the Clareman, which was there in Clare since 1896. So that was closed in 1903 by a libel case that mm. they couldn't meet. Uh, so the Clareman closed the following week. The Clare Champion started up with, um, they actually went in the window of the old Clareman offices and pulled away bags of type and equipment, anything they could get their hands on. And uh, the Champion has been going ever since. Now, unfortunately, Tom didn't live long after that. He died actually right at the end of 1903. Uh, his sister Josephine took over the paper with her husband Sarsfield Maguire, who served as editor until the 30s when he died. And uh, another sister then, Nellie Galvin, took over the paper. She was actually a very interesting woman and I've done quite a bit of research on her story. She was a decorated nurse in mm. World War I. Mm. Uh, she signed up as a military nurse in 1914 and mm. she spent a lot of time in France. And in, I think it was May of 1918, her hospital was bombed and she just stayed on duty as if nothing had mm. ever happened. So and she I, took over in the 1930s. Didn't she you? took over in 1937 <coughs> on Sarsfield's death. Yeah. And she was there for 30 years until her own death in 1967. And did it pass at that stage to your father? Passed at that stage to my father, who was Nellie's nephew. Yeah. And he was a photographer. He started off as a photographer in The Champion. And he gradually moved into management in other areas and yeah. took over. Yeah. But uh, he would often tell stories that uh, if he was 
taking photos at a match in Kildamona where a man down, the camera got thrown by the <laughs> <laughs> by the sidelines and he took up a hurley. Right, right, so right. sometimes we didn't get as many pictures as we <laughs> expected. <laughs> Could I go back br- briefly to to the the Clare uh, the Clare man? Great title yeah. for a paper, of course. And it was quite a nationalist paper. It and, was. Um, the libel, as I understand it, was uh, a libel case was brought by an auctioneer called McInerney. Yes, in Ennis Diamond. Uh, who, who, who the paper had called a land grabber. And he mm. sued the paper. He sued Tom yep. Galvin yep. for libel, saying. Um, and I think it went through various stages in the case. I mean, there was appeals that paper won, appealed and so yeah, on. Yeah, it was a long drawn out process. Yeah, but in yeah. the end, uh, the Claremont lost out. Yeah. And that yeah. was that. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, Pat, you have the you have the nice quote from uh, the sure. Rising <laughs> from the Ashes, I think it is. Well, I just love this quote by... Uh, the, the, the lads who climbed in and to the Clareman office and carried out the bags of type, uh, typeface. Tom Galvin's first editorial was unequivocal. It's here in the, in the own history. But I just love the, the, the quotation from him initially about its aims. The champion will stand as the inveterate foe of landlordism, Shaninism, grabbers and castle hacks. The wants of the people will be firmly espoused in our columns until their grievances are redressed. We shall agitate for an Irish Ireland and an Irish Parliament to govern and make laws for the Irish people. And it goes on in that vein. And And I just think it's such It's wonderful language. language. I'd still love to know no what Shoninism is yeah. and Castle Hacks, but yeah. it's just but, wonderful. But, um, but John, what would be the mission of the paper today? That was certainly the mission in 1903, and to a large extent, that mission succeeded uh, with independence yeah. and so on. What, do, what would you say is the mission today? Well, we don't have the same political uh, drive because it's not necessary. I think really the mission is to bring the news as fairly as we can. Um, I don't like the way some newspapers have gone, uh, particularly those in groups, and they will will get common content. So you'll have a local paper and you'll have content from some other area of the country and they just fire it in. Mm. Whereas we care about every word we put in the paper mm. and we're one of the few who are still proofing what we do. So any mistake in the paper really annoys us whereas others are just ah it's a mistake it's yeah. fine yeah. but that's yeah. not our attitude yeah. and I think that makes us almost unique at yeah. this stage yeah uh, I, I suppose in relation to that John I said there's just a, I, I have a few little questions for you if, 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 if I'll try if, to answer them <laughs> if, if, if you don't mind how confident are you of the future of print journalism in the national basis, because you've alluded to one media company in particular that sort of has bought up a number of papers. Yeah, well, there uh, are a number of groups there. Yeah, a, num- a number of groups. And we'll say, given that the champion has re- recently celebrated um, 120 years, how do you see, or is there a future for print in the next 10 or, we'll say, 120 years? Or how, yeah. do, how do you think things are going to go? You see, it's very difficult to get... Uh, a new generation of readers because anybody under 20 it's very hard for them to get them to buy a newspaper uh, they might take up a free newspaper and flick through it but to actually make a decision to spend a few euro on a newspaper is quite difficult uh, an awful lot of people say oh, I get my news from social media which is 
an absolute farce, to be quite honest. You're, you're eventually going to be given just what you want to see. Mm. You're not going to get a balanced view. <coughs> and you can say, all right, um, a newspaper or a radio station or a television station can be biased, but at least a human has gone through the day's news and actually decided what is important and made a call on it. Whereas social media will just give you something based on a blind algorithm and you're going to get a very biased view. Yeah, and I suppose we're probably referring, I suppose, in particular to the likes of Twitter is probably one of the biggest echo chambers that's out there. Yeah. And there is um, another sort of question that sort of leads off of that, if you don't mind me asking. Um, What is the rationale behind charging say, you know, week in, week out, 290 for the champion. And then you give away some of your material mm. online for free yep. on, you know, champion.ie. Um, other papers in Clare, another <coughs> paper in Clare and in Limerick, and I'm sure there's plenty more around the county, have, you know, you have the free side and then you have a subscription. Do you think the champion might go down the lines of a paywall? I can't see us going for a paywall, certainly in the immediate future. Um, it comes down to, do you want readers who pay for the paper or do you want eyeballs on the web? And you're, to a certain extent, trying to get both. And, you know, back in the dot-com era, it was all about eyeballs and building up traffic. And even if you were losing billions, you were doing well if you had all the eyeballs. And yep. there was an expectation that in subsequent years, you could take all these eyeballs, people looking at your website and monetize them and make money from them. That really hasn't happened in the media space, I think. Very few people are making money online from news. And I think it'll be a long time before that model will work. But in the meantime, you know, if you want curated news and accurate news, it has to be paid for. We have reporters that cover the county. We have John Kelly, our staff photographer, and a number of freelancers. All of those have to be paid for. And that is where the cover price comes in to to actually pay for all that. Do do you think that um, by giving access to we'll say the public of some of the your journalist articles for free you know and we say maybe a few days after mm. uh that you know that they're they're in print is that helping is your is your argument that basically you want the articles to be read yeah if they read it if they buy the paper you're obviously quite happy they buy the paper but your main criteria is that you're paying for journalists you're obviously happy with the journalists that you have yeah and you want their content to be read. Well, we're also, it's almost a marketing exercise to keep our name in the public eye. And maybe then if somebody is of a mind to buy a newspaper, they will think of us. Again, there's no point for certain stories keeping it for the paper. Mm. And we put it out immediately on the web. Because if you hear about something happening and you go to... Am I allowed to say Google? But you go to your (laughs) favourite search engine and you Google it and we would hope that it's our article that you come across. 
mm. and it'll make you think of us. But John, uh, like the Google feed, the echo chamber, as uh, Luke has referred to it, it does return now a lot of local stories. Of course, I'm Googling a lot of local yep. things and therefore it's returning. I often get the Limerick leader, for example, because I work in yep. Limerick. And uh, I, I, I would get the champion occasionally just being pop. It pops up mm-hmm. along with the echo and so on. When is the right move, do you think, for the paper? Like you, if, if the young under 20s, I think you've said. I'd say under 20s when, would when, be the cutoff point. When is it the right time for the paper to make the leap? If I knew that, <laughs> that is certainly yeah. one I can't answer at the moment. Yeah. You know, it'll probably be a case someday we'll say, look, it, let's try it and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the attitude of a lot of papers. They're looking around to see what other yeah. people are doing, <coughs> waiting to see when they make the yeah. move. The national papers like The Independent and The Times um, have made the leap, haven't they? Yep. Uh, why do you think they've done it? And not the local papers so much. You know, I I find that hard to to fathom because in some ways you can get your national news from multiple sources, yeah. but it's very hard to get local news. Mm. So you would imagine that the value of local news would be greater because you only mm. have a couple of sources. Mm. But I don't think we're at the point where we can <coughs> put a paywall in or mm-hmm. charge in that way for news. Uh, it would be wonderful if I felt we could, but <laughs> I don't think we're there at all. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a, a very honest answer, and th- th- thank you for that. Well, can I say one thing, Luke, is that if you do, you do us out of a job, because we like <laughs> the print. I we love like the, the print. print versions, yeah. and it would be... Now, we'd have to adjust, <laughs> but it's uh, for us here around the table, we like you and listeners will know because we do a lot of rattling of the <coughs> papers. Um, but but I think and, and of course, it was Pat's idea to, to have this show run day one. Mm. It wouldn't be the same, would it, Pat, if we didn't have the print version of the paper? Oh, no, no, not really, no, no because uh, you, have the, you have the bit of bent on and, and uh, disputes about, about you know, the different stories and that, you know. It would be an awful shame to lose newspapers and printing newspapers. You know, I know you can get your news off your tablet and your phone, but there's nothing better <coughs> than sitting down with a paper and just going through no, it. No, really. actually, uh, I suppose uh, back to years, we'll say, and I suppose Pat as well, the, the champion was bought on the toss evening and, and the first page would open is the, the J.A. fixture. Are we playing Sunday week? Are we playing? What time is the game? What is the match? Right? As, well as and then so, the following week yeah. you, you'd be buying it maybe and you'd, 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 you'd be looking out for the report of the match. Right, yeah. Maybe your yeah. name might appear even. If and, yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah, in top yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I ask a question, John? You mentioned there about the costs. Obviously, there are huge costs involved in producing it with mm. the wages and everything else that goes with that. But I was just wondering, modern technology and IT... Have the cost of producing that now, we say, decreased in the sense that most of us at home can do a nice poster or whatever? Yeah. Does IT and modern gadgetry help to reduce the cost of actually producing the physical paper? And at least that will help you in the future to be able to stay going. Well, it does to a certain extent. I mean, back in the old days, up to the late 70s, we were on hot metal. And yeah. that was a very physical and messy process. It involved uh, literally melting lead solids and producing the type from that. And then they had to be painstakingly one line at a time put Put together backwards, put together backwards. And you needed a (coughs) lot of people to do that and very skilled people. 
Um, I came in to the champion in 1990 full time. I had done four years at university and I concentrated on computers. And my father never really trusted computers, but I went to him <laughs> the week after I came in and I said, Dad, we've got to buy a Mac. Mm. And I told him what we'd have to spend. And I mean, it was the price of a good second hand car. And he just said, go away and spend it. Mm. You know, if you say we need it, we need it. And I always remember that mm. for him. Mm. But we started Generally, uh, we actually used that for commercial printing for the first few years. Yeah. And then gradually we started to use Macs in the paper. Then we got rid of the Macs and got PCs and I was never so happy to get rid of the Macs because PCs are so much nicer. Mm. So you can now produce a page a lot quicker than in the old days. And you don't need maybe three people involved in it, which you would have, you know, you'd have had a cameraman to yeah. take a picture of the final page to make a printing plate. Now we make a PDF file and we send it over the wire to our mm. print plant in Cork. And, you know, from that point Indeed. of view, mm. it does bring the cost down. But obviously wages have gone up, uh, fuel has gone up. We all know <coughs> what's happened with electricity. So all of those, we're not immune to those. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. And I John, you have a, a lot of, of time as well. You, have, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to have your stories and time, and you have to have everything in in line for every week. Yeah. You know, it's a um, it's a fine balance, and we're we're trying to work a little bit more in advance so that <coughs> we could start the week with maybe yeah. three pages done and mm. an idea of what we're going to do oh. for another 10 pages yeah, yeah, yeah. and we know this story is coming but it won't be here till tomorrow this picture is coming mm. but mm. it won't be here for two days and just try and get a plan together for the paper just a quick one sorry what's the latest time on a Wednesday that you can cover a, a, a breaking story I was just going to ask the same yeah. question <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how late is the breaking news yeah. literally, literally if something happened we could ring our printers and say look at we have to cover this and it would be a bit of a, an issue but it could be done so generally we would put the paper to bed maybe around uh, seven o'clock on a wednesday and it's printed maybe an hour or so later that quick yeah 7 p.m 7 p.m printed by eight Printed by eight mm. and in the and trucks. Delivered, but delivered, if uh, we like know there's something late, we'd often cover a Wednesday night <coughs> match. Yeah. So we just say, look at we space. won't have it till eight o'clock. Right. We right. won't have it till half eight, mm. and that's fine. And if the major thing happened on a Wednesday night, it would just be look at we're still a newspaper, yes. yeah. Yeah. and we would go to the bitter end and make sure that we had it covered. Okay. Mm. 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 Last question now, John. Before we get it, we get it. We, we want to get into the newspapers. Into the papers, I said. But I said, um, the standing of the champion nowadays. How do you think it is compared to, say, maybe 10, 20 years ago? And I suppose my rationale behind asking that is we've talked about the echo chamber. 20 years ago, really, Google didn't exist. Yeah. And it was basically, if you <coughs> wanted to get your news, you got the champion on a Thursday or you watched the 9 o'clock news on RTE. You know, what was in the papers and what was on the news. We didn't get exposed to a lot more, you yeah. know, to a certain extent. And the, the journalists that you have and the journalists you've had, you've had over the years, how does the champion rate 
you say, what's the standard? Uh, we say, what's the standard you aspire to? And we'll say, how do you think you compare to the other sources of media that yeah. are out there? Well, I mean, there's a, a huge variety of sources out there now. And 20 years ago, you know, you were lucky to have four channels and the internet was in its very much in its infancy. We were actually <coughs> the first regional newspaper online back in 94. I think the Irish Times beat was by a couple of weeks. So I'm very sore about that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, when you have such a variety available to you, obviously the importance of the Clare Champion and newspapers in general is diminished slightly. But all we can do is do the absolute best we can every week, um, produce the best journalism we can. The quality of our journalism hasn't... Mm gone down um, the people writing for us are as talented as ever and we'll ask the probing questions just as much as ever yeah and I suppose from our, our own point of view Dan and Fiona are the two journalists that cover a lot of the articles out our side That's right. and uh, you know the quality of what they write about we'll get onto it in a while but we'll say Pyrite is one story that Fiona yeah. in particular has written about <coughs> Dan and his coverage of Doolan, which while it didn't affect us here in East Clare, but the quality of the journalism and the number of articles that were produced in relation to the Coast Guard, that whole issue mm. of it. Mm. To me, that that and the pirate were sort of like the two big, I would call them journalistic stories <coughs> in Clare yeah. of, of last year. And it was fa- fabulous co- coverage, not an easy topic. Fair from it. And a I lot of... run and run. Yeah, mm. and a lot of information that needed to come out finally came out and you know but that is probably the strength of a paper like the champion it is it's journalists isn't it it's it's the ability like you can have you can have the national ones and you can have your online and you can have your blogs and your your podcasts but these are the people who are on the ground and who are going to ask the questions um, and are not going to just rely on the press release I mean we've had Fiona and Dan in and uh, we've chatted about these things, but that's what strikes me as the as the critical thing for the survival of papers like this. Yeah, it comes down to the quality of what you put on the page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Listen, that, that's enough of a grilling. Now we 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 let let you talk shop um, a, a little bit. Now, the papers this week, and we 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 if we have a guest, we generally ask them if there's. Uh, a headline or an article or some part of the paper that you'd like to talk about that you're, you know, you're happy with yourself this week mm. or tell us about your contribution to it. Well, as I was saying, this week I have quite a contribution in the paper. It wouldn't always be as heavy in, in a week. Uh, but I was particularly happy to go out to Kilfenora on Sunday for the Kilfenora traditional festival and the Kilfenora Cayley band were playing there for an open air Cayley and there's a page of pictures from there yep, page 22 and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed I spent about two two and a half hours out in Kilfenora taking those pictures and it was a, a lovely experience the weather cooperated we we're actually very worried about rain uh, so the band went on stage about half an hour before they were supposed to in an effort to to get them up and out 
before the rain. <laughs> uh, but met the band members, <coughs> and it's rare enough to get a picture of all the band members together. So yeah, I got it's that. A, it's, a lovely, the, it's a lovely picture at, at in the, the Burren Centre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just yeah. to see people enjoying themselves, and uh, particularly after COVID, if I can mention that word, mm-hmm. uh, it was just lovely to see people out enjoying the fine weather and the dancing and uh, and these were all pictures you took yourself uh, yep. John because I suppose you've already mentioned him uh, John Kelly is the champion's main oh. photographer and has won national awards I mean the standout quality nothing would beat John's you know work. even even national photography oh, you know you mm. the champion has that one hands down because yep. of John but you're, you're not a bad photographer yourself if I may yeah. say so oh, you're very good <laughs> vibrant looking page isn't it oh, I, think fab fab Thank you. I was actually and quite pleased delight. with it yeah. and uh, it worked out well <coughs> your other article John, that you I know you do regular features on is the um Boatring section, and I think I love looking at that myself. And I'd say there's very, f- very few, if any, regional papers, county papers, have uh, these features so well covered. But I was just wondering, were you tempted in any way to get a Delage D12 hypercar for yourself over Chelsea? Because well, now if one it, of those appears on the roads of East Clare, you'll know it's me. <laughs> Zero to 100 kilometres in 2.4 seconds. They're fabulous looking cars, including the, the vintage. You love that part of the journalism. I do. Um, I've been doing car journalism for about 20 years now, and uh, it's always been a passion of mine, cars, so... I think Printers Inc. and uh, Castrol GTX <laughs> run in equal <laughs> quantities in my veins. Are you saying you're the Jeremy Clarkson of Clare? <laughs> well, funny enough, Jeremy Clarkson got his start in the Clare Champion. What? Yes. What? Explain <laughs> that I can to exclusively us. reveal. In the 70s, before Jeremy Clarkson became Jeremy Clarkson, he, um, he sold columns on a freelance basis to various um, regional papers. The champion were one of the ones who took his columns, and he was actually in our offices to collect a check one time. Oh, Never met him there, but uh, he we'll was have, there. I the, think we'll have to remind 70s. him of that. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get him in next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll, uh, I'll g- give you a bit of credit here, John. You write a better article than he does. We'll never get him now. No, no, no. But I, John, um, just. We'll give two minutes to it because it's a topic that's sort of interested. The car industry and the car um, market in general, we say from the point of view, obviously, you know, uh, marks will advertise in the papers when there's a new launch yep. and stuff coming out like that. Has covering or going to launches of cars, has that all gone online to a certain extent or is there still in-person events happening? There is in-person events happening. I mean, all through COVID, everything was done online. And I'll be honest with you, a car launch online is the most boring thing to have (laughs) to sit through. And at times we were lucky that we weren't on camera because you were there kind of trying to stay awake. Um, Where it's really affected things, though, I love going to motor shows and uh, I would go to Geneva every year. Yeah and uh, Paris every second year and um, um, Frankfurt uh, every second year they they alternate even though Frankfurt <coughs> is an awful city but um, I think the internet really has spoiled my enjoyment of that because you're walking around and you're not surprised anymore mm. yeah. you're saying yeah. oh yeah but I saw that online there three weeks ago mm-hmm. oh yeah I know all about that 
it's very, very hard to be surprised. There's a little sense of, I know there's a, there's one or two brands I'd follow myself, and if you sort of know that Brand X is bringing out a new car and it's going to be launched at, we'll say, the Geneva Motor Show and the Geneva Motor Show starts, that's generally October. Is it Geneva's October? Geneva's it? March. Mar- sorry, Geneva's yep. March. So just say for argument's sake, 7th of March, uh, stand, you know, stand number 7, 10 a.m., mm. see, see the new launch. And the problem is they've leaked pictures of it two or yep. three days prior. Yeah. And, you know, the car is under a cover, but you've seen it. And I would say from the point of view of a journalist trying to cover that <coughs> as well, it sort of lessens your, yep. you know, impact. Yeah. impact. Mm-hmm. And uh, what uh, some of them do now is Geneva is happening, with will say the 7th of March, they'll bring reporters to somewhere else on the 4th of March so that it won't be swamped in all the Geneva u- news. So you go to Geneva hoping to see a new car, but again... It was launched three days ago. Somebody got the scoop. Yeah. Or they were given, the scoop was given away. And this trend that we see online for, um, I don't know if it's there for cars, but sometimes for electronic um, devices, say computers, laptops, phones, the, the influencer. Mm. Would you describe yourself as an influencer? I wouldn't. I would describe myself as a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good answer. That is a good answer. But we'll say, do, do you get access to... Um, would you get access to a car sometimes now? I know we've started saying, you, you said as a journalist, it sort of si- yep. spoils the surprise sometimes, but mm. w- would you get access to cars in advance or is it more, say, like Geneva, are you covering the whole thing rather than covering a few manufacturers? Are you covering the whole thing, but we would often go on launches and we would have the opportunity to drive a car sometimes up to a year before it arrives in Ireland. Mm. Okay. So we would have a very good idea then mm. of what's coming mm. yeah. and how it compares to its peers. Um, I had a, the great privilege of going to Utah a number of years ago to drive the 4 GT. And that is a car that I would say if three Irish people have driven that car, that's about it. And I was certainly the first Irishman to drive it. Okay, very nice, good. Nice. Very good. Now, we asked you before we started what your personal car of choice would be, and you sort of mentioned a Ferrari, but what, what, what type, John? You know, they're, they're ten <laughs> a penny nowadays. So have, you, have you any personal preference, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, that's the dream car. Um, to be honest with you, there's no bad car on the market anymore. Uh, you couldn't have said that 20 years ago, but certainly mm-hmm. now um, it's very, very hard to get a bad car. I... Th- I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't particularly like SUVs, and I know they're very popular, but I just don't see the point of them. (laughs) 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 To my my wife is listening, sorry. (laughs) 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 To my mind, you know, most people who are driving an SUV would be better off with a hatchback. They use less fuel. They're less expensive to produce, and particularly if they're an electric car, you know, range is everything, Mm. and... You know, like for like, an electric hatchback is going to go for far uh, longer distance than an electric SUV. Yeah. And, you know, I know, I guess why some people say, oh, I like the high driving position. But I mean, if everybody else is in an SUV, there's your Mm. advantage gone. Yeah. 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 I prefer to be right down by the ground and feel the road and uh, enjoy the drive. But I think I'm kind of unique on that one. No, <laughs> no I, I think in the, in, the, in the Celtic Tiger, um, 
there was actually a few years for no post schools delivering children to school. Yeah. And that's how they, they do not go, go shopping yeah. to, yeah. to deliver mm-hmm. children to school. Mm-hmm. Where I live now, we're maybe 300 metres from the school and we would see our neighbours driving yeah. out yeah. with one child yeah. in the car yeah. to drive 300 metres to the school, school. in yeah. all the traffic yeah. and then drive back. Yeah. And then five minutes later, they'd leave for work. It yeah. just blew my mind. Yeah. I think the great line is, I, I said, we're, we're all of a certain age here, and I don't think too many of us got driven to school in SUVs. A lot of us walked, or, or if, you, if you were in a car, there might have been a, more than should have been in it. <laughs> I do way to it. Anyway, listen, cars we'll, we'll come back to again, John. So we'll, we'll finally get on to, onto the papers and we'll get going. Um, actually, before, before we do, you were talking about photos. There's a, fo- a photo of one of your, your pop stars for the paper, uh, uh, Daisy. Daisy. Tell us a little bit about Daisy. Daisy is Ireland's only news hound. <laughs> <laughs> I think, to guess the way it happened, um, Daisy, when we got her, was a very, very nervous dog. And uh, Bev Truss was a veterinary nurse who worked in Ennis and... She told us the way to get around this uh, would be to bring Daisy into work and get her used to people. So I started doing that. And um, Bev was doing a, a course for veterinary nurses, showing them how to look after animals. And I went down to take a picture for the paper and I went into the room and I said, Bev, where's the dog? And she said, what dog? We can't use dogs for this. You know, we, we've got to use this toy dog. <laughs> I said, I can't take a picture of a toy dog. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll go away and I'll get Daisy. And uh, if you could see Daisy coming in that first day and she looking around nervously and she didn't know what was going on. And I have a nice picture of her surrounded by lovely veterinary nurses and she bandaged up with a little blue bandage and she's looking so scared. But it was about two weeks later, my late mother said to me, do you know, there was a dog last week in the champion. It looked very like Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> I said, look, mum, it was Daisy. And that was the start of her media career. Uh, excellent. Well, uh, Daisy uh, is uh, better than any politician for getting her photo into the paper. <laughs> yeah. because, because this this week well, alone, well. she's on page 10. Uh, she has a, p- a lovely picture on page 10 with uh, Deirdre Ryan. There's uh, the author of, of a book called yep. Trained Puppies Don't Bite Children. Exactly. And, and she's on uh, also appears on page 11 as well uh, there's some of the crowd at Deirdre's, Deirdre Ryan's book launch and there's Daisy in the middle of it so and she doesn't look too nervous anymore no, no yeah. she's far from nervous she was actually on stage at a university concert hall the other week in uh, La Boheme, the opera. Ah, and it was like she was doing it all her life. <laughs> we'll nearly have to go and ask her for autographs. Uh, An interview, so. maybe? Yeah. <laughs> She's a lot to say for herself. Uh, uh, I'm sure she does. Anyway, listen, we're going to get on, get on to the papers and we're going to start with uh, page one on the champion and it's an article, we'll say, by Dan Danaher. And David, I will leave this to you. An independent review of the alleged lack of governance in the Midwest HSE. Yeah, this is this is unfortunately too regular occurrence now in several areas. Kerry, I think, came to prominence about this. Uh, this is the CAMS, the calls for review of 140 lost CAMS. And CAMS stands for, and I, uh, John, I hate acronyms. Uh, mm. I just want to put that forward now. Uh, 
Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. That's what it, it stands for. And amazingly, Dan Danaher reports that 140 files relating to uh, children um, with open cases can't be found. And these are children that uh, have to be followed up with. Mm. So it's rather remarkable. Um, these are obviously children who need support and need this sort of uh, help. Um, but the Inspector for Mental Health Services revealed one team in the Midwest had 140 children who had open cases that were lost. What do you think of that, Pat? The mental health issue, I'd say, historically in the country has been the invisible, the invisible sore, if you like. And not just literally in this case, but in general, just put into the background. You know, for years you had our ladies where people were uh, sent in for locked away without, you know, never to get out again because their families didn't either want them out or they had no family to bring out. No no, um, assessments. You were in, you were in. That was it in most cases. So I think it's just items disappearing or lost or no trace doesn't surprise me with mental health. And it is a big issue still, obviously a massive issue today. And um, It's probably more relevant. The carry of other issues as yeah, well. Yeah. And, you know, what I would say is this very simply. The sooner the authorities and everybody takes it and yeah. gives it the attention it deserves, yeah. the sooner a lot of ills in society will be cleared in terms of crime yeah. and so, uh, antisocial behaviour and all of that yeah. because... It's the invisible one, and it's a second. It's a second-class citizen in terms of health. Yeah, it's it's shocking, really. And actually, we have to be grateful to Deputy Anne <coughs> Wynne for breaking uh, for for bringing this to our attention because she has she well she's going to take it up at the, in the doll and going to ask a question, and um, she says there's also eight eight vacancies within the we- Midwest CAMS. That's the service. Mm. Uh, which is rather worrying as well that the the, the personnel aren't there and maybe mm. people are leaving and files go missing that way. But she's advocating or calling for uh, an independent review, not involving the HSE. So, but inter- I think what it's, do you think? I think it's worrying that the fact that they can't be found for, you know, how can you treat somebody if you can't find their file? But equally. That's somebody's personal information yes. out there yeah. somewhere. Yeah, and I find it legally, that under, you do under, that. under GDPR, legally, they are the data owners. And yes. if, the, if these files have been lost, that's a breach of I the GDPR right. legislation. Yeah. It has to be reported. <coughs> well, it's going to be reported now to the doll, hopefully, and we'll yeah, see what happens. Said, who will take responsibility for it? Yeah, Deputy um, uh, Wynne says, yeah, a lot of parents have seen their children redress, regress due to the lack of one-to-one appointments during during um, COVID-19 and then there's a bus is continuing on here inside and uh, parents are being left waiting huge lengths of time without even getting an appointment the mental load on them is momentous she said the problem is um, Pat if the file has been lost okay. nobody's going to contact them that's no. the problem yeah. mm-hmm. and they'll be waiting indefinitely yeah right listen we'll move on to a topic that Heaven forbid we have to cover it for much longer. But it finally Four seems more years, um, <laughs> Luke, I think fi- is the it phrase. Fin- it finally seems. And um, page seven of the champion, and we said oh, Jessica yeah. Quinn has two articles. And I, I suppose, John, we, we'll, we'll ask you for your thoughts on it. And I said, because this is, you know, this was something that was um, raised nearly, I think, 22, 23 months ago. And it's basically <coughs> Council Ready for Heritage Challenge. 
Chief Executive Council Pat Dowling has described the transfer of Shannon Heritage tourism sites into the county to the local authority as a unique opportunity for Clare and a strategic and ambitious acquisition for Clare County Council. Have you any thoughts in relation to it? I just hope that they're going to do justice to the fantastic um, facilities that we have around the county. And I think they need to be promoted properly to ensure that we have a huge amount of visitors coming to them. <coughs> and that would be my only concern, that that would continue. And uh, the, the promotion just needs to be right. Could I ask you for your thoughts in how do you see Clare as a tourist destination on a geography level? Because we would sort of have a, a bit of a grievance over this side of the county that we think we have our own few bits that are worth showcasing, mm. but they don't get the tourist numbers. You know, you compare it to the likes of the cliffs. Now, I know you have the coast with Lahinch, Kilkey, all the rest of that. But, ways, yeah. but this whole thing has I would say with Bunratty um, they're m closer to our side than yeah. they are we'll say you know the, to the cliffs shall we say and there's a part of us here you know the council have bought Holy Island back in 2015 mm. we're nearly seven eight years on and there's not a huge amount has been done with it so there's concern but there's a little bit of optimism as well but I mean, I talk to people from other countries and they've never even heard of Shannon Airport. Yeah. They think there's only one route into mm. into Ireland and that's through Dublin. And I mean, you look at the chaos in Dublin mm. and I would regularly go out to London from Shannon mm. and it's an absolute dream, as we all know. Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. Mm. You will be parked and through security in under 10 minutes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. You show me another airport <coughs> yeah. where you can do that. And that's what the message we need to get out there. Yeah. Because I was lucky enough to go to Malta uh, last year as guests of Ryanair and visit Malta. And that was to mark the start of Malta Valletta to Shannon to direct lights. And they brought out a number of Dublin-based journalists as well, but they brought them down to Shannon. Good. And Did they you know how to get here? <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably <laughs> followed to go Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> but to hear them afterwards praising Shannon to the hilt and the ease of getting through it, and that's what we need to really yeah. highlight, yeah. that if you want to come to Ireland, come to Shannon. Yeah. We have everything on our doorstep that yeah. you want to yeah. see. And but you don't have to go through Dublin. In, in relation to the... In relation to the sites in Clare, now, um, it appears to have a plan for there's going to be a North Clare area, a West Clare area, and the East Clare area is going to be uh, the Holy Island and Bunratty. Um, and, and Napogue and Napogue, so on, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But, um, <coughs> just echoing there, I think uh, Councillor Pat Daly would entirely agree with you, Fina Fall, who said uh, this will put a stop to tourists have arriving in Shannon Airport and heading to other counties making clear the place to go but uh, the funniest thing I thought reading this was um, Councillor Alan O'Callaghan whom I think we'll be coming to later as well recalled <laughs> the heyday of the 1090s when these sites were hopping <laughs> well, they are because you heard, you heard, no, you heard, you heard, I don't know how old Alan, <laughs> Alan is or how good a historian he is, but I'm fairly certain that even the castle wasn't built in the 1090s. But um, you had, I think, you had, uh, you had two sittings for um, 
from the, the banquets in Bernwetti one time you'd have one of the five and you'd have another at nine yeah, yeah. That's right. and all, all well, I didn't know they had two settings they had two yeah, settings yeah, they had. Yeah, sure. and then you had another one you, you had Napog and Napog is, is closed up in, in, in right. good years yeah. and you had Napog going on summer as well you know but Pat um, one, one councillor Jerry Flynn was wondering believes that additional land needs to be purchased and you were saying you read somewhere heard somewhere yeah, that uh, Shan- Shannon Her- the Shannon Group Shannon have retained Group. land near Bunratty 125 acres yeah. Bunratty, yeah. and why would they have done that do you think yeah, I, I don't really know but the, the, yeah. he, he was concerned that, that they were retaining this land and what could what, what could uh, stop them from Developing some tourism site there again yeah. in opposition to, to or the land holding, you know, yeah. holding it up and. Um, mm. But you know, it's let's hope, let's hope. Uh, I know we covered it last week. That um, land was bought one time for uh, was supposed to be a new golf club there, but it never went ahead. Right. And um, some, some, someone bought it, and I'd say maybe, maybe the Shannon Group bought it off them again. Mm-hmm. The, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, let's hope it works anyway. Um, yeah. There, there's a there's a full page we'll say on it all on page seven in the champion, and yeah. I, I'm going to have to refer. Uh, I hope you'll forgive me now, John, but uh, the, the the opposition paper, the Echo, also re- refers to it as well. well and of course. I, I just think um, Park McMahon writes, and it's something that we need to bear in mind on page four, the Echo. Clare County Council is now one of the biggest international tourism oh. operators and must flex its muscles to compete with leading Irish destinations such as Killarney, Galway and Dublin. What would you think about that? <coughs> it's a fair point. It's a very fair point and I think the likes of Killarney are quite crowded with tourists mm. and you know, it is time there was a bit of a rebalance. Now, I would also say the rebalance should uh, come from east to west and mm. I would say the entire western seaboard I mm. think is is underdeveloped and underappreciated mm. and uh, I think that's where we need to concentrate yeah. on. And I think, I think we probably need to get the buses to actually stay for a little bit yep. longer rather yep. than travelling yep. through but arriving to Shannon maybe or Dublin, more likely mm. Dublin go on your coach Come down to there are there are coaches that come from Dublin for a day at but at the cliffs yeah. and go straight yeah. back. It's, straight back. It's, it's very annoying. That's what we no. need to stop because that's not contributing to the local economy no. at all. No. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. You probably annoying. need more uh, bed bed nights in Clare as well. You probably no, no, need yeah, more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, more accommodation. Like. The second most. Uh, Highest number of visitors of any attraction in the country, I think, mm, after mm. the Guinness that's right, store, stores, as well as yeah. Yeah. and mm. I mean that's not reflected in employment or in in um, mm. the, the, the economy of North or West Clare. No, I think they're Clare. they're guerrilla tourists. They come in, they go yeah. out. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. well, that's yeah. what we yeah. we should <laughs> we should use that phrase. See yeah. if we can get that into a headline <laughs> next week. I might, we I might get that copyrighted. <laughs> just just going back to to the Dublin Airport thing. I see. I can't think of his first name, Mr. Jacobs. Anyway, he's the head of the Dublin Airport Authority. He, he, he wants to build from 28 million passengers they have now up to 40 million. But that's his job, Pat. That's, that's, mm. that's, his, uh, that's his remit. But uh, at the present time, they, have no, they haven't enough of um, air traffic controllers. Yeah. To begin the planes in Dublin, they have to put them around in circles because they're sort of safe for that. Well, that we've alluded to it before, Pat. 87% of all traffic, airport traffic, comes into uh, Dublin. Dublin. Mm. And so that's 13% for... The rest, the rest and, and now I said we'll give some bit of credit to your uh, local county, uh, you know, the real republic, obviously, <laughs> uh, you know, as the second city in the country, if you <coughs> numbers wise, 
No, it, you know, it, it, yeah, it is. But yeah. that that's a, a a political issue, and we'll sort of keep with the political issue, and we'll sort of stay on on the west on the west coast. But we're talking about the west coast of Clare, expecting a Trump bump following, <laughs> following Donald's visit. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan Dan Hur has the article on page one of the Champion. Yeah, uh, businesses in Dunbeg are. But that's what I do uh, when you were introducing the last one. That's what I thought you were talking about. That we didn't really want to hear about this fella anymore. <laughs> But um, but businesses in Dunbeg, according to Dan, are expecting an, an, an economic spin-off over the coming year after the return of former U.S. President Donald Trump to visit his hotel and golf resort next month. So he's on his way. There's 300 people um, employed there at its peak, it says here, um, pubs and restaurants in the Long Village. Um, I won't be going to see him. Um, I don't. I don't particularly... Uh, think we should be going out of our way. Uh, I can only half understand the Dunebeg attitude. <coughs> I don't think it's going to give them a bump, to be honest. Um, if you read, if you read inside on page two, the con- story is continued. Um, there's a very insightful person who speaks about this. What's her Rita McInerney. Rita McInerney, who actually gives a breakdown of the type of people who visit Dunebeg. And about a third of them are Trump fans. Th- a third of them aren't. Um, <laughs> and they just want to see the place. And a third are just golfers <laughs> who like playing golf. And it doesn't matter who owns the and bloody place. Yeah. Um, I don't think we should be supporting a person what? who advocated violence. And and threatened democracy. Well, okay, but I won't disagree with that point. But I will say that Rita McInerney is a bit like the chair, of the, the boss of the Dublin Airport Authority. It's her job to sell doing big, <laughs> <laughs> and she does a very good job of it. And yeah. she justifies it pretty well in saying that they're not interested in his politics. They're interested in the fact. That it brings employment and visitors to Dunbeg. Yeah. But isn't that worrying, Pat, that they're not interested in politics? But he's well, you see, the thing is, where does that stop then in terms of... Trump, OK, is, is obviously world famous as, uh, as for what he is. Can, can know, I point out, as, as, as Dan points out, he's got 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. In front, like, yes. uh, yeah. is Dunbeg um, facilitating alleged criminals? I suppose you have. Look... Trump isn't depending on doing big for his successes or whatever, or failures either. Successes probably elude him for a long time. But <laughs> my own view is this. I can see the point. I can see why the people of doing big, business people and <laughs> others, will say, look, we can look at the politics after us. But if my kid in university gets a job for the summer in a bar, restaurant, or in the golf club, and if our town or village brings in tourists, look at they're going to ignore some of the things he says and does. He may never be in power again anyway, so whatever damage he has done has can be done before. I don't think he's going to be re-elected. He may be the, the, the nominated candidate. If, if, I don't think if, he'll be if, re-elected if, anyway. But if, do you think... Morally, So it doesn't right, matter. Idiomeen. We'll have Idiomeen when he was over. <laughs> if he owned the hotel, oh, we'll just forget about those murders and all the rest he did. Well, but he's doing employment and he's, doing, he's a great little man. But you could say Joe Biden got a fantastic welcome in Mayo. And, uh, you know... But he American hasn't been... He is not before the courts in 34 felony accounts. If you take Afghanistan and using Shannon and all that kind of thing, that was done under democratic governments and all that. So, yeah, look, yeah, you yeah, could yeah. take it to its limit and say, we can't have nobody. So, look, in any way, he's I'm, a, not a, I'm not an advocate for Trump, I assure you. He's coming in on the fort and, and the target. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and you'll be there. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be, be there. there. Yeah. But he's, <laughs> out, he's flying out in the fort, so he'll be going to, he's going to Scotland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll be expecting the pictures yeah. now. Um, <laughs> when yeah, we'll cover it. We'll have to cover it. But I wouldn't be... 
be a major fan of Trump. How would you, um, how would you, as we said, being involved, would say from the print and from the media side of things, his attitude when he used CNN and Fox to sort of suck the momentum <coughs> out of every other candidate when he when he stood. And then it was literally like the day he was elected, he came out and said to this lady in Fox, or sorry, not in Fox, in CNN, you are fake news. Mm. Now, that sort of targeting of journalism mm. from a, po- a political level, yeah. is that an issue, obviously not to the extent of, you know, presidential side of things, but is that an issue that you think affects local papers? Well, it does, because unfortunately we're all tarred with the same brush. Um Fake news is one of the terms I absolutely detest mm. because he has just used it as a catch-all. You know, if I don't agree with your opinion, it's, it's yeah. fake news. Yeah, it's not that it's wrong. Yeah, he says it's fake. It's just yeah. because mm. I, as Donald Trump, say this is fake news. Yeah. Therefore, it is, and unfortunately, he has supporters who believe no. every word out of his mouth, 100%. and they have just become evangelists for this. And <coughs> if there's anything that they don't agree with, oh, that's just fake news and I can ignore it. He's also said he loves the uneducated people in America. Yeah. The people who are not reading new, the, the proper yeah. news. The yeah. uneducated will believe anything. They're very gullible and he has them in his club. That's yeah. what we said. For and it was that's the only yeah. reason that he won the election. Correct. That's why I'm upset for Dunebeg. Because they're being, as- they're associating with this sort of uh, individual. Uh, look, you're 100% right. Yeah. Except well, I've no doubt Doom Beggar just taken the pragmatic approach, and like Pat yeah. says, you know. But I'll tell you, I, 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 just, David, as a result, I will never go question. to Doom Beg, so they've lost my business. <laughs> can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Should they not, the champion not cover the thing at all? <laughs> oh, no, they, they have to cover the news. <laughs> they have to cover the news. Okay. I, I wish the story was Doom Beg. Um, uh, <clears throat> Brings over the blip, the Trump blip <laughs> in protest. But but I, think, I, th- I think to his son, his, his sons are running that business now, so I don't think, think he's yeah. not the, he's no, not the head, the of, head of the company. Well, yeah. Tell him he's not welcome then. Right, we'll, we'll see. Well, I, I, I'm sure uh, there's a, a lovely picture on page two of the champion by John Kelly uh, with a tractor drawing home the turf, and there's a few, uh, there's a tricolour and an American flag in the Long Village yeah. ahead of the last visit. And I'm sure John Kelly will be up. Uh, will say sure to sort of to get us a good, a good, a good picture in in future. Right, listen, we'll move on. Commercial insanity, page three in the champion. We're talking about car parks, and there's. Uh, Jessica Quinn writes, an Ennis trader has described plans for the redevelopment of Abbey Street Car Park as, quote, commercial insanity that signs a death warrant for healthy commerce, commerce in the town ahead of a planned public meeting next week. And David, you pointed out to me that there is an ad. And is it on page the seven? on page oh, yeah. seven. Um, and this is in relation to this issue, which suggests to me when people go to this level of, of purchasing, uh, presumably, an ad like this and putting it in the paper, that they're taking it very seriously. And uh, so it's a notice of a public meeting regarding the loss of Abbey Street Car Park due to plans by NS2040, DAC and Clare County Council. It's on Thursday, the 4th <coughs> of May at 6.30 in the Temple Gate Hotel. And they've invited uh, all, all members of the Oroctus and the council to attend. Let's see how many do. Um, but it's, it seems to be hotting up, John. You're it based is. in Ennis, aren't you? I am. And uh, it just seems that we're moving a bit fast on this and it just seems to be forced through. 
Um, we have pedestrianisation of a sort through the the town, and I'm not sure that it's a good idea. Um, I see, in particular, towns in the UK where they're where they're fully pedestrianised, and towns maybe the size of Ennis, and when it comes to the evening in particular, they're just absolute ghost towns. I think you need life in a town <coughs> all day, and I think cars do contribute to it. I mean, I know I'm a motoring journalist. This, this is this is Jeremy. This is the Jeremy I, coming through you, isn't it? I still think <laughs> there's room for cars. There's room for people. Yeah. There's room for bikes. I'm a yeah. I'm a huge fan of cycling and. Uh, yeah. You know, for preference, I actually cycle around Ennis, yeah. and it's much faster. I went into Ennis on Sunday night, and we, it was early in the evening, and we just wanted a kind of a cup of tea um, mm. and, and something. Mm. You know, I was br- I was bringing herself out, and um, <laughs> but there was for a cup of tea. There was no, there was nothing open. There was very little open yeah. Sunday evening. Cafes don't tend to today. Cafe doesn't yeah. be. And it's, that's I a pity. I think myself in various towns and villages. The cafe is closed at either five or six. Yeah. So if you mm. want a cup of coffee at night, you're driving a can of a drink, and a chat. You can't. You can't bring you a friend in for really. coffee really yep. at no. nine o'clock. No. It has to be a pub. Yeah. Where you get your coffee. So uh, we ended up limited. going into the going into the 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 the, the, t- uh, the hotel, the town hall. Uh, got wonderful service, and uh, you know they didn't mind us having a cup of tea and a dessert, and they we we were treated very nicely. But it was one of the few yeah. only places, and you're just talking about life in a place, and yeah. I think. I think Ennis needs to pick itself up a little bit. Yeah, in the I think time. there definitely needs to be uh, more vavavoom about it. Mm. <laughs> you Cash, know, particularly, kind of particularly in the evening, casual yeah. evening stuff. Yeah, yeah. This, the whole car parking thing, and um, we 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 see the 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 proposed demolition of the the now infamous cottages and the contemporary mm. car park there. What, what do you think will happen ultimately with all of this? I mean, the, the plan seems to be put a car park in there for a period and then <coughs> get rid of the car park and put in housing. I mean, I I don't see the point of that. Mm. Either you're going to put in the housing now or mm. keep it as a car park, mm. but mm. it just seems to be... Um, do they want to build on an existing car park, uh, don't they? They but do. In Abbey Street. In that side there on Francis Street, we'd say there's a, a good area of a site there, which is only just waste ground behind the, mm-hmm. behind them houses, between there and Glower. Yeah, there is a lot of And, and, and it's just where the property now and okay, demolish the houses and put up new houses there, uh, and no and no, no townhouses, and you'd probably fit 20 houses there. But I think part of the problem is every development <coughs> and any change in it, it seems to have taken away, particularly on-street car parking. And I think, you know, on-street car parking could be accommodated without destroying the town. And mm. it would give people the opportunity to come in, mm. do their business. Maybe mm. they're only parked for 20 mm. minutes mm. and they go on to somewhere else. John, is there a need, as the council or the NS2040 <coughs> might say, is there a need for more offices in NS, more office space? space. I can't see that there is. I mean, working from home is still a big thing. I mean, our reporters are still working from home. Um, there's an awful lot of of offices in the same position. And I don't think that's really a priority. I would love to see more people 
living in the centre of Venice. It's interesting you say that because, and I don't know what article it page is, one. page one, but uh, the Ennis Chamber of Commerce have done a, a survey in relation to, Luke, I don't know what it's in relation to, but they found that something like 61.5% of workers in Ennis um, live outside of the, live beyond three kilometres, yes. so outside of the town. Yeah. 61%, so the vast majority of them. Um, I just suppose is probably typical of most places mm. at this at this stage. But, but I mean, it is when, an interesting I, when I grew up in Ennis, even on O'Connell Street and Abbey Street, there were families living over the shop. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And mm. wouldn't it be wonderful to see that back again? It's and it would yeah. bring life back to the town. Yeah, mm. yeah Fiona has, has the article on page one. Sorry, Deva, I might have confused you there. It's clarity been sought on the availability of grant support to bring empty over the shop units back into use. <coughs> now, th that's a very noble idea. But the other side of things as well, uh, we say we're nearly all living in the sticks out here. Mm. And you need public transport in the likes of Clare, or sorry, your own car, you said, to get into the likes of Venice. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you can't just sort of um, say, right, I want to go into the centre of Venice, but I'm going to have to park three or four miles away if I'm going to, you know, if I had to get to walk to it. If you're, you're trying to attract footfall to it. You do have to have a certain amount of parking. Yeah. And availability of parking. Would, would a park and ride facility work, do you think? Um, you're all very suspicious. I just looked at the well, faces uh, and you're all very, mm, not sure about that. I but don't I think we have the haven't volume. The scale. Haven't the scale. No. no. Yeah. And so I, I just, from a personal point of view, or maybe a lazy point of view, so I, I, I don't tend to do it in Dublin for any reason. I just drive in, find a blue parking sign and stick the car in there. And that's just laziness and... I would be promoting green schools and all that kind of thing myself <laughs> in my career, by the way, in theory yeah. and all, and in practice in some, some ways. But I still haven't got into the idea of parking because you have this thing about yeah. independence, being yeah. independent, yeah. and be able to come and go when you want yeah. and carry what you want home and, you know, yeah. not be lugging around. So, may a couple for that one, but... Yeah. Likewise, in Ennis, if you're going to have to park outside. Well, if you can't find a car parking space, you might. Do, I mean, once you, if you're forced to do it, uh, yeah. people do it. Now, I've, I, anytime I drive to Dublin uh, or, or whatever, I <coughs> often park at the Red Cow and get Many the Lewis in. Some do. Yeah. I, I uh, it's cheaper, yet. number one, yeah. Yeah. and it's more convenient. You never problem usually. Well, um, the titles in Ennis are very worried about uh, the lack of. We'll say if 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 the Abbey Street car park. Is done away with because if yeah. you put up a big, if you're going to put up a big um, office building there, you're going to you're going to have no parking spaces, which was 124 or five at mm. the present time. The councillors um, so though seem to be quite behind this proposal on the basis of what what was what we've been reading in the well, papers. See, that the was the Ennis municipal district. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the the, the overall council didn't. Uh, but logically, where do they see the 125 cars going that are bringing business into town or whatever it is? Where does that go when this development happens in their, in their view? Well, unfortunately, they're going to continue on the motorway to Limerick or Galway. Uh, yeah. And that's the crux of the matter. Probably head yeah. for the Crescent Shopping Centre. Yeah, free yeah. parking. Free parking yeah. and yeah. plenty yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, it is... Uh, so that's, not, that's very unfortunate. No, I said, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll, you'll be writing about it, John, and we'll be talking about it for a <laughs> for This will go on, on, on yeah. There's a story there, Luke, somewhere in the paper as well, about, um, about, no, about no. the, 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 the 2040... Uh, people are going to put up um, uh, a high-rise um, car park near the Temple Gate, and that has that has been that has been taken out of the of the plan at the present time. 
yeah. So it's know. like a plans for a car park. I think that's it. Yeah. Page seven. There's a page, so. uh, one of the, it's in, it's in, um, somewhere in the papers. Anybody Anyways, there? plenty about parking to keep people happy or not happy, as the case may be. <coughs> yeah, um, is. yeah um, it's on page six of the, cham of the Echo. Friars Walk multi-story pulled from NS24. Yeah, that's what I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, a parking conundrum has been created is one of the quotes there. But, uh, yeah, as, as you were saying, John, it'll run and run. Yeah, but, David, you know, the point about you saying you go to Dublin, you go to the Red Cow, you can get the Lewis in because that, that facility yeah. is there. Yeah. You know, that we can't even have... Uh, a train or rail connection of any type to any airport in this country so there's issues I think in, in relation to Shannon. right listen we're gone way over time before we go to half time which might be two thirds of the time John <laughs> we hope you'll hang around with us for it's John it's your fault for the half time cup tea there, there's an item now David, David that uh, we're going to sort of back away a little bit here now because we're going to talk about sport Okay, yeah, well, yeah. and uh, we'll say Newmarket. We'll say we're busy in action in Limerick sa Saturday night. We'll say haven't got haven't got to uh, an FAI final, and on the front page of the Champion, uh, and I, I should refer to there is extensive coverage in both papers in relation to that. A, a great achievement by Newmarket to, to, to get there, and it's in uh, uh, where are we now? It's page twenty. And page twenty in the champion and thirty six in in the echo, but there is an article on the front of the echo that um, Park McMahon writes about, and we we've spoken about the GEA in recent times, um, Pat, <coughs> in relation to um, Airog had an initiative, and there's a few other initiatives going on as well in relation to it, but. Um, Racism in GEA is upsetting. Park McMahon has the article mm -hmm. there on page one of the of the Echo. What you just tell us a bit about it and give us your thoughts on it. Me, yeah. yeah. Well, a big issue arose there a couple of weeks back. Uh, Tipperary played Wexford in a challenge hurling game, preparing for the championship, and only a couple few hundred people at it, maybe. But um, Lee Chin, who is uh, a Wexford uh, stalwart, uh, an excellent hurler, fine, big, strong player with plenty of skill and he's a leader for them <coughs> but has been injured a couple of times recently but anyway he made his appearance back and uh, at one stage there was a bit of melee on the pitch but clearly the video uh, records a person on the sideline flaking out um, uh, comments on his ethnicity and uh, it was really 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 horrific and uh, in fairness I think many of the players on both sides as far as I know did try to challenge the person to stop a few people on the sideline tried to stop him but yet <coughs> you know it's been investigated but it shouldn't I mean it, why does that happen in 2023 and the the, the, the current issue then here is uh, Ikem Iguero who I've now have seen playing for Clare a few times and Aero myself and uh, a fabulous footballer and I just isn't such a beautiful thing to see uh, a person uh, black in colour lining out for an Ennis football team mm. and a Clare football team and the players have great time for him because he's a good player, but also I'd say he's a great personality and he has, his, his comments here are super because he says uh, he doesn't make a big issue from his own personal point of view, but he just does say that he loves to see, um, he does encourage his own black friends and his own black family members and everybody else uh, who isn't a local to join in with the Gaelic football or the GA or whatever it is, join in, be part of the community, part of the sport, enjoy it and no discrimination, there will be no, it will become a natural thing. And I think he speaks very well on it. And uh, I think 
maybe, well, I don't know what the percentage level is. You have to be careful here with, with, without, without exaggerating. Who, there, are, there, are, there is a nice little percentage of people who still can't accept difference, mm -hmm. can't accept ethnicity, mm -hmm. and uh, can't accept the fact that, uh, you know, Ireland is, has, has, yeah. has come on to the stage. Really so really look, that, that's the Ireland. issue, and he's dealt with there by he, yeah. he was born in Dublin, but he was, his parents, parents mm -hmm. were Nigerian. But that doesn't matter yeah. to the... No, I don't know. The know yeah. 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 He's yeah. a good Clareman yeah. now, anyway. He's a good Clareman now, yes. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, he, 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 he talks a little bit about the... <coughs> Racism that he has experienced. Also. Yes, he does. It's uh, happily, I suppose, it's not as um, it's not as common for him. Uh, he said, as he says himself, but he has ha he has experienced it, and um, he says himself that the best way to face this, face any bully, of mm. course, including Mr. Trump, is to um, to show that you can to continue on playing the sport and to yeah. and. Uh, um, what does he say here? Uh, I'm not going to say it happens all the time. It's just a small few instances. I kind of take it as motivation in a way, like I'm going to show you that everyone is allowed to play this game. See, he's a very strong personality himself, yeah. strong character, yeah. And, yeah. and that comes through there as well. Yeah. But maybe not everybody in his, uh, of his ethnic background would be as strong. Or would, would be as confident. Yeah. confident yeah. Will he be lining out in a Munster final? Yes. <laughs> he, may not, he may not stop. He came on. He came on the last, the last yeah, and was yeah. very impressive. Well, yeah, very wouldn't impressive. Wouldn't be a nice yeah. one now if he came on and managed to do a number on Kerry in a few weeks' time. <laughs> yes, and, 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 and I'd say, John, you'd be reminiscing about '92 <laughs> all over, all over again, again uh, after that. Right, listen, we we finally reached half time, so we play a song. Uh, Pat, I, I was going to ask you who's alive or dead this week, but I think I have an idea who we might be referring to because we had uh, a musician and an individual of great note passed away during the week. <coughs> yeah, Harry Balafrente, he, he died on Tuesday last. Um, on April 25th and he's uh, I think it's 93 he was so uh, we'll have Island in the Sun um, perfect right Island in the Sun Harry Belafonte we'll be back in a few minutes this is my island in the sun where my people have toiled since time begun I may sail on many a sea her shores will always be home to me. And that was Harry Belafonte Islands in the Sun, and uh, may Harry rest in peace. And uh, just as we're recording here, we can hear the rain outside, so hopefully uh, that will that will go go away shortly. Now we're not going away yet. Uh, we're sort of uh, extending the program a little bit this week because of uh, our special guest that we have, uh, John Galvin, MD of the Clare Champion, and John again. Uh, thanks a million for coming out and spending the time with us. We, we've just had the half time tea, so I hope that's got, gone down okay with you. We're going to spend the second uh, part to the programme talking local and just while we were off air Pat asked a very good question in relation to um, what local topics or what's the type of topic that you know will create a little bit of a buzz be it in a specific area um, you know the type the type of event or you know yeah. what what do you, what way do you, how do you cover it or what do you cover that sort of will create a, a feel good bounce I suppose yeah well if you discount sport which everybody is interested in and it always gives a buzz we find actually uh, the pages of pictures from uh, an area or an event works very well and the last piece of research we did <coughs> a couple of years ago now but it highlighted a surprising fact that people still valued their picture in the paper even mm. with 
social media and mm. being bombarded with pictures, mm. there still seems to be a, a bit of a, a buzz to see your name and your picture in print. So and of course you can pay to get get a copy of that copy print from from, from the champion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you you can send it to your auntie in America. Or yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, we uh, have it electronically as well. Yeah, great. Yeah, and I suppose you, you you alluded to it in the first part of the show that we'll say the photographs that you took uh, up in Kilfenor. So <coughs> that's obviously I presume the locals up in Kilfenor. That, that would be something. I'd be delighted. And yeah. Uh, uh, it's certainly something we're doing an awful lot of. There's hardly a week goes by we don't have a page or two of pictures. Yeah, because we, we, we've, we've sort of noticed in more recent times that, um, and we said this is the men's shade here now at the minute <laughs> for different <laughs> events that go on, but some of the sporting socials that go on. Yep. And and a lot of photographs that come, come out of those. And Pat, Pat in particular is always very fond of talking about the various uh, clubs and the, the successes that they've, they've had in relation to yeah. it. So, as you said, yeah. that's a, a you know, a local thing that you know people yeah. can can look at and it, well, it, we've it, had a season of the the socials and the next thing will be all the festivals that are around Clare yes. and there are many of them and it's brilliant to see yeah yeah ex- exactly so right well listen we're going to talk about um <coughs> another topic we mention on a regular basis and there's two things we're talking about wind and fiona mcgarry has an article on page three uh challenge to east Clare wind farm and uh, this is news. Uh, a judicial review has been taken by the Carrinagown Concern Group and two other named individuals who live close to the site. And for those of you in East Clare, the proposed Carrinagown wind farm would cover 750 hectares between the villages of Bodike, Tungraney, Broadford and Killaloo and has been developed uh, by Future Energy Lim- uh, Limited, which is a joint venture between Quilch and the ESB. We have spoken about it before and compared to some of the other wind farms that... Um, have got coverage in the county it, it sort of this went straight to board Planola uh, during the middle of Covid it got granted uh, last week we alluded to David that they were um, uh, looking for uh, planning to uh, put the electric, <coughs> electrical side of things in and now it appears that there's going to be a judicial review. So this, yeah. is, th- this is the only way someone can take an appeal well, against the board for the last, decisions. Probably the penultimate or very last stage unless they get an appeal, somebody appeals it to Europe. But um, it's, it's, they're looking for some little quirk in the, in the process that was not followed. They've requested um, the, the uh, environmental impact statements, hoping perhaps that they mightn't have crossed that T. It's very hard <coughs> at that stage because you're not, you're not objecting per se to the development. You're actually trying to argue that something has not been correctly done in terms of the application. You're debating a point of law. You are. You're debating a point of law yeah. and a, part, a point of procedure and process. Um, so... I don't know, you know, the Quilcha and this company, they they have done these sorts of things before. They know how to do it. That's but my point, might be yeah. my reading as well. You know, the yeah. Quilcha and the ESB are so well established and have so much land purchased over the years and dealt with yeah. objections and this and that. And but you never like know. But they may have made a little. They may have, and it all takes uh, a <coughs> But I, if I was a betting man, uh, I'd say futile enough attempt, I would say. But yeah. who we'll knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll go to the East Clare page in the Champion. That's page 13. And in the bottom right-hand corner, Pat, there is an article there that uh, uh, affects your neck of the woods. And it's also in relation to wind. So tell us about it. Yeah, 300,000 300, expected for Dark Shampoo, 
community fund. Uh, Fiona McGarry has the story there. Nine wind turbines are planned for the proposed Knock, Shenville, Windfair and development in South East Clare. Future Energy Island, a venture involving Quilter and ESB, unveiled plans for the projects at the end of 2022. So they're the same, probably the same company. This. Same company, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, details of the number of, of, of only just have been confirmed to stakeholders, including the community members uh, in the site area, which is around three kilometres south of Rodford and four kilometres north east of Six Mile Bridge. Over the summer months, surveys, assessments and design work continue, continues. The company is to install an 80 metre metro logistic mass, whatever that is for. It's hard to plan to have information when there for the local community in the coming months. So I think this, this was on the paper before, but I suppose they're, they're probably going ahead with it now anyway. And uh, mm. I suppose there's a long ways to go all the time. Uh, they have it's, down, it's down by the 12 o'clock heat switch over there recently. Yes, indeed. It seems it's a very this part of Clare is very popular for wind <coughs> farms. But um, it does take a long time, Pat, because I remember the, the, the first one we were talking about there. What, what did you call it? The carry gone. Yeah, and that 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 was initiated. The public consultation was that was pre-COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I remember them coming into this studio talking about it. In fact, so it does take an extremely long time, and especially once the courts get involved, mm. it can be even longer. So, yeah, uh, they have community liaison officers there. Christy O'Dea is one, and um, Kevin Dandlin is there. Their numbers are on the on the paper there. If anyone wants to contact them. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be having an interview or two with them in, in relation to it as well. Yeah. And I suppose, John, um, just one, I, I suppose we, we spoke about advertising before and it's sort of half in relation to this, but I say this was th- the words repeat consultation or music to uh, <laughs> a, a managing director's ears <laughs> when it comes to a bit of advertising because pa- page 16 of the champion uh, basically has ad- advertise- advertisements advertisements. Um, uh, Application for a foreshore license and invitation for public submissions or observations for the purpose of conducting stage two appropriate assessment. And it's basically in relation to offshore wind. And uh, they have lovely maps there as they've well. Lo- they've lovely maps. It can't be a bit of controversy for a bit of commercial <laughs> gain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's an ill wind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and uh, I, I, I was sort of looking at this for us. I said, what is this? I said, this Why do they have to repeat the I said, consultation? This, this was in the paper a few months ago. Yeah. And then I, lo- I looked at today's, I said, ah, and it says, a public consultation in relation to the application was held between the period of 30th of January and 28th February 2023. The applicant has submitted an updated, uh, is I don't know, is it Natura or yeah. Natura, Im- impact statement to reflect the, marine, the department's marines and advisors' recommendations and therefore a repeat consultation period is required. So okay. you're hoping now for maybe a, a third another <laughs> <laughs> uh, amendment to the yeah. assessment. Well, yeah. I said now uh, the, the quality <coughs> of your print, John, is well to the fore there because now, as I said, I've the glasses on. The the the, t- the type font is fairly small, but is is exceedingly legible. So <laughs> spot on. That's uh, all uh, we need. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very very much be appreciated. Right, Pat. While we're still on page thirteen, there, um, we'll go over to Tulla. Yeah, delighted as Tulla Cultural Centre scoops National Community Award. Uh, Fiona McGarry has the story there again, and Brayden McNamara is there. She's chairperson of the, the Cultural Centre in Tulla, and she's beside the piano there, and she's delighted with her award. Uh, celebrations are taking place in Tulla after Knuckle Cultural Centre was honoured nationally as a model for excellence in town and village renewal. 
It's like achieving a Michelin star, so feeling that when other chapters and the production of the development company, we are so delighted that the, what has been done here has been recognised. The buildings were donated by the Sisters of Mercy over a decade ago, and they, and they have been the gift that keeps us keeps on giving. We are so grateful for the order and thrilled that the centre that now has been able to revitalise re the heart of Tuller to have that recognised at national and stage is very satisfying. It's a recognition for how well done. So, um, it's a great, um, great honour for them. The, there was 15, there was 15 uh, places nominated and um, um, they, they came out, uh, it was four, then it broke down to four and they, they came out on top. So. There was an area, Bell in the Moor area in Leesburg, and there was uh, at League, we are at League in Roscommon, and the, the entrenchment of O'Connell Street and Sligo were, were, the, were the four, uh, four finalists. All right, um, listen, I, I said, we have been over there. You've broadcast there. Fabulous facility, very much to be admired. And From said, Happy Community News uh, Award to a business award in Killaloo. Uh, the Killaloo, uh, the Lakeside Hotel has won an, an award for being an employer of excellence in celebrated businesses who have demonstrated their commitment to making the tourism industry an appealing reward place to work through their participation in Walter Ireland's Employer Excellence Programme. As a result of that, the Lakeside Hotel and Leisure Centre were certified as an outstanding employer, which is the highest certification available. So well done to them and a happy good East Clare yeah, business story. John, I, I, I'm just going to ask a technical question here now because uh, Killaloo's Lakeside Hotel Right, I, I just go to point out now. This is a little bit like there, it's there's across the river. There's, there, there's a lineage between sort of like Scarf and Killaloo, or sorry, Scarf and Tungrani, mm. and uh, they promote themselves as Killaloo. There's always a lake center as Killaloo. You see, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. You know, is it, does diplomacy have to be used in circumstances like that? You know. Not at all. We'd go into outlying counties. I mean, we so would report far. on on Gort. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't particularly go into Kerry because there's an estuary in the, the, <laughs> in the way. <laughs> in the way, <laughs> and there's always controversy over where, you know, Limerick and Clare, yes, where the border Clare. is, and yeah. uh, sometimes mm. it's a movable feast, <coughs> depending but on what election has been held. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, that would certainly be of interest to residents of Clare and. Uh, People who are living in Ballina and Killaloo would be equally interested, so yeah. we'll report on it. Yeah. And, and of course, D Dan, one of your reporters, is a nearby resident, so I'm sure yeah. he, he is. He exactly. Very he very much has. His, has and I could has point out the that the MD of the Nina Garden lives in Killaloo. Just look on the Garden, the Clare Garden Festival is on on Sunday as well in the showgrounds. So. It's always a big event every year, so uh, just to find out the design and if, if anybody wants to pop in there, it's on all days on Sunday. Okay. And it's a great event for gardeners and for anybody who's interested in flowers and gardening. And the lines and win a prize, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now, uh, David, uh, there's an article there on... Page 9 of the Champion, page 11 of the Echo. You, you can take it away there. Yeah. Well, this is something that Don Tom Galvin, back in, in 1903, 1904, etc., this is sort of bread and butter issues <laughs> of, of newspapers. <laughs> Councillor pays out €500 <coughs> Euro for pub COVID-19 breach. Um, and I just want to read this out, because it's, it's worth reading out, because it, it, it reads from the 19th century. I'm referring here now to Councillor Alan O'Kelly, who's been Alan fined. Alan O'Kelly. Sorry, Alan yeah. O'Kelly, yeah. who's been fined. I love the way both Gordon Deegan in... Uh, actually, Gordon, this is in he's the freelancer, isn't he? He's freelance, yeah. 
<laughs> um, doesn't avoids the use of the word fine and uses the word paid out and has paid. But anyway, in court, Sergeant Aidan Lonergan said that on October 16, 2021, Gardaí entered the pump house, Kilmurray Six Mile Bridge at uh, 57 minutes past midnight during COVID-19. Not sure when, it doesn't give the date, but anyway, during the, that period. Sergeant Lonergan said... There were three persons with full alcohol drinks in front of them at the bar and they left when asked to do so by Gardaí. Sergeant Lundergan said that when asked to produce a receipt, remember we had to pr- mm. produce receipts. Substantial um, nine euro meal. Exactly. Oh, God, yeah. Of the last alcohol sold, it showed that alcohol was still being served at 24 minutes past midnight. Sergeant Lundergan said that Gardaí returned the following night, so they were very vigilant, um, at 1.05 a.m. And this time found that there were, wait for it, over 50 people uh, on the premises. This would <laughs> never have happened in the Black Sticks, would it, uh, Pat? I'll be too early. Only getting going. <laughs> and when asked, Mr. O'Callaghan produced the tilt receipt for 38 minutes past the hour. Sergeant Lundigan said that Mr. O'Callaghan said that this was for a drink brought er, bought earlier in the in the night. Um, so well, the judge obviously didn't <laughs> didn't agree with that interpretation, and uh, and find Mr. O'Callaghan, Councillor O'Callaghan, uh, five hundred euro. He's no longer a publican. We're told. Um, would, would this sort of thing, gentlemen, affect electoral chances? Next time, right? I wouldn't think so. I, I wouldn't think, think so, so at all. Really. Might actually enhance yeah, his opportunity. It might affect him in a positive way. Yeah, probably <laughs> be, be forgotten about in about a week. Extremely pint. Uh, right, David, well done. Right, listen, we're running out of time and there are two things I want to point out. Uh, a man we have spoken about uh, on a number of occasions, uh, he <coughs> contributes to RCB in West Clare and he's an activist, Seamus Hayes, sorry, Dermot Hayes, I'm g- getting things confused there. Uh, Dermot Hayes is coming to East Clare. So Dermot is actually going to do us a little bit of a favour, hopefully, because we were hoping to go to him, but he's now coming to us. Uh, it's on page 21 of the Echo and it's on page... Three in the Champion, a feast of events in Clare Libraries yeah. uh, in, the li- in the living section. Uh, this Bialtina and as Clare Libraries are holding a range of activities next month. It's part of the Bialtina festi- Festival, and Dermot is coming uh, out to sort of have a chat. Uh, <coughs> he recently released a, a, bi- a biography uh, to a great, great yeah, effect in Corofin. Yeah, mm. uh, I, I listened back to the, the the audio that was recorded at it and sounded like a I think a great event, a great day was had. It was one of those. One, you, sometimes you know by listening to something you, you, you'd have liked to have been there you'd have been liked to be there uh, past page 2 uh, in the living in the champion uh, the last uh, article that we sort of covered this evening a rite of passage uh, W-R-I-T-E uh, very very well uh, I, I said, John, John the, the, the headlines the author of the article doesn't write them Are, is that no he might put a suggestion in uh, but the sub-editor and the editor would make the final yeah. call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, have you have you ever had to sort of overrule anyone? You know, yeah, in we've had to discussions at times. <laughs> 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 it's an art in itself, isn't yeah, it, John? Okay. I mean, yeah. I've said it before. I'm not mad into sport, and I would always look at the headlines, and sometimes there would be a pun there, and I just wouldn't get. It. <laughs> yeah. And I just oh, put yeah. my head up in the newsroom, oh, lads. Yeah. Uh, is this something I'm missing? Yes. There's no gotcha headline. Was it the sun in the Falklands war? When, yeah. Like, oh, the gotcha. Yeah. That was horrendous, though. Shot of, but, but, 
explored the ship and killed Hulk. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. was the headline. Yeah. 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 So the chairman hasn't. Pat, how dare you associate the, the paper of choice in County Clare with a red top <laughs> from the news? Provided the same material. Exactly. Well, I think the one recently that I was quite happy with, I was writing about Daisy's stage debut on the opera stage in UL. And it was Daisy Bow Wows at UL. <laughs> 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 Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I said, and e- even the dog goes over the border <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on occasion. Yeah. Uh, Pat, uh, right passage is young Claire Port wins big. Neve Toomey, uh, East Claire Port. <coughs> uh, she's originally from the Scarif area, yeah. but now based, based in France, uh, won, won an award. That's on page two in the living section, and we, we shall say fair play to her. Well Something that we, myself and yourself visited before earlier this year, open up in there. Open the cliffs of Moher. Um, there's another clear food and drink flare coming Oh, out. you'll be <laughs> off again. I'm filling the bellies, yeah. Well, you know, it's on, it must be in somewhere. I sense a road trip. <laughs> it's on the 5th, 6th, of 7th, uh, the 5th, 6th and 7th of May. And it's um, www.clearfooddrinkflare.ie events. So uh, it's, it says, uh, the freshest of County Clare ingredients, superb food and drink, accompanied by music and clack. David and I are available for that as well. Yes, we are. Yeah. You yeah. can't yeah. have it all to yourselves. And um, uh, d- the doing big whiskey, I'd say, if you're connoisseur as a whiskey, I say... I, I can't go... I can't have doing big whiskey for, because of the comments <laughs> no, I made earlier. It's J.J. Curry's from Coraclare. Yeah, yeah, sorry, it's Coraclare. Sorry, it's Coraclare. Oh, that's okay. So I'm allowed to drink that. You'll be able to have that. Right, listen, we're almost done. We're out of time. Pat O'Brien, Pat Mack, David Fleming, thank you very much. And a very, very... Uh, big thank you to John for coming out and spending time with, with us. I said, we'll hope we'll see you again in the future. And you, you never know. Um, we said, uh, John S and Jim obviously are the two, you know, two of the powerhouses be- behind the, the station. And they might want to come in and sort of have a chat with you in person, you know. So they, they, they might sort of go into you and sort of visit those salubrious <coughs> 1970 offices yes. of, of the champion and sort of ha- have, a, have a chat about, especially about the, the historical yes. point, point of view and stuff like that. And it, it'd be great to have right Pat we're, we're, are we going to have another we'll Harry go, song we'll go for Harry again uh, the, the banana boat song uh, uh, a day old uh, uh, I, I think as the man says it's can time. we have the Muppets version <laughs> <laughs> and we want to go home if we all want to go home I'm <laughs> sorry for, sorry for keep, keeping you all that's it from the media show uh, for this time uh, of the day I hope you have enjoyed taking a listen to us and as we always say support your local journalism in Clare whether it's a uh, buy the champion pay your few euros a week uh, Clare Echo have a subscription uh, Clare Herald online all support your local media in Clare keep it going I said keep keep us in a job here keep John in a job <laughs> as well and and more importantly keep informed and it's all real news nothing fake in the media in County Clare that, that's it from today so goodbye and we'll finish up with uh, Harry Belafonte
está talimán, talimí banana. They like come and they want. 